Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, you podcast listeners that care about independent music. You've come to the right place. If this is your first time here, welcome. I've got 500 some odd episodes you can dive back into. These are all really focused conversations about the origin stories of people who are involved and impacted by independent music and punk and hardcore and indie rock and emo, as long as it emanates from small, sweaty rooms. That's exactly what we are doing here. And of course, today is no exception because I am obsessed with both of this person's bands. Her name is Jess Nix. She sings for a band called Mortality Rate. She also sings for a band called World of Pleasure. I love both of these bands. I punished her on Instagram <laughs> to be able to uh, come on the show because I was like, man, I just I just love your bands and I just want to talk to you. I want to know about the Calgary hardcore scene. I want to know about the origin stories of you as a human. And uh, she was kindly kind enough to accept the invitation because uh, she was, you know, admittedly being like, I don't really do podcasts that much. I've done maybe one or two. I don't maybe like to put too much of myself out there. I'm like, I totally get that. We can, you know, cut anything that you desire. She listened to it and was like, actually, you know what? Like, th- this is cool. Let's run with it. So I'm incredibly excited to uh, bring you this conversation because I think it will help you understand, you know, maybe a side of the punk and hardcore scene up in Canada that you might not have reckoned with, which, uh, you know, many people from a North American perspective just uh, focus on the States. And clearly there's a lot of other things going on to our neighbors in the North. 
Let's talk about how you can support the show. For one, you can share this episode or any episode in particular on social media. That's just the best way to do it. You know, friends recommending things to get into that like it's tried and true method. So please share this on social media as you see fit. You can also email the show, one words podcast at gmail.com. I know for those of you that listen to this show on a week and week out basis, you hear me say a lot of the same things. And I apologize, but you know, some people don't listen to every single episode. And, you know, hopefully you get that. <laughs> and uh, you can also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And please do the same on Spotify. You can just leave a rating and that would be super super helpful because the algorithm the great algorithm that all of us you know bow at the the feet of you know this podcast is no exception to that rule so whenever you are able to please do that takes like 30 seconds of your time and you can probably do it while you're listening to the show so i like i said i love justice bands i i think they do an incredibly fun thing with metalcore where it's like they uh, you know they're they're not reinventing any wheels, but what they do so well is making sure the message comes across, the um, ex- personal expression that is contained behind it, and ultimately you feel like both of her bands are fun. Differing levels of fun, like where mortality rate is a little more you know, serious, for lack of a better term, whereas World of Pleasure is a celebration of vegan straight-edge metalcore and you know having fun with friends and all that sort of stuff but um i just man i love both of her bands so i was like let's go jess let's do this let's have fun but before we dive into that i have to promote a friend's band called knelt before i will toss a link in the show notes of this very show so you can check out what they have my friend mark who he's an old hardcore dude doing this band, putting the vibe out there. If you like, you know, H2O, Madball, that sort of stuff, it's got a lot of melodic overtones as well. I highly suggest that you check it out because, um, yeah, they are just all about the positivity and uh, being a person who tries to remain positive as well. I, I couldn't help but, uh, you know, give give some friends a shout out, More most specifically my friend Mark. So listen to Nell before, you can check it out in the show notes, a link will be there. And then uh, yeah, you can check it out on Bandcamp. It's great. So let's talk to Jess Nix from World of Pleasure and Mortality Rate. Here you go. I had been familiar with uh, Mortality Rate and then uh, knowing about Once World of Pleasure popped into my, uh, you know, sort of ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things like I enjoyed Mortality Rate and then Mm -hmm. I enjoyed World of Pleasure. And then once I put everything together in regards, I mean, I knew that you obviously sang for both bands, but it was, I just then all of a sudden, and I'm sure you feel this too, where like a switch flips where it's like, oh, so like now I'm obsessed with this band. Yeah. <laughs> and, now, and now and now I'm just like, okay, like I'll 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 relate this back to like I, I got obsessed with uh foundation. And yeah. it's just like certain bands that all of a sudden just like tick a lot of boxes for you, whether it's musically, lyrically, you know, it's like, oh, vegan straight edge, of course. Like I'm already in the bag for that. Um <laughs> and so I 
I, I, I'm sure it's interesting for you, especially because mortality rate has existed for, you know, quite some time for people yeah. to find out about you via another band and then see that you sing for another band. Is that interesting? You kind of hearing about people's entry points to, you know, the art that you put out there? Um, I've actually like, I try to kind of avoid anything like people talking about me. So I don't go looking for it, but, um, I've had some people send me screenshots of just being like, Oh my God, people are talking about world of pleasure on Reddit or something. And it's usually people being like, someone will mention mortality rate. And then someone will reply to it being like, have you heard world of pleasure? Like so far it's at least as far as my understanding goes, most people know about it because of mortality rate. Um, I have had a couple people though say that they didn't realize it was me singing in both. Like they, they heard someone show them world of pleasure and they're like, Oh, this is really cool. And they like it. And then they just like one day saw me post about it and are like, wait, <laughs> hold the phone. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. And I'm like, I mean, I do like this because I do love seeing people not be like all girls sound the same, but like, also like, I don't, I'm a one trick pony. I sound the exact same on both. So it's just funny to me when I'm like, you didn't realize that was me. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing anything different. <laughs> no, till I, and I, I think that that's um, just because it's like different f- variations of the same flavor, I guess, you know, it's like mortality rate. Like there's clearly more going on in regards to the sonics of it. Um, same thing could be said about world of pleasure. It's like, it's just a, you know, different flavor of vanilla. And I don't mean to use vanilla as a bad no, comparison, yeah, no. but you that's know my what I'm saying? Flavor. I get you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do also like, I'm not good at it because I don't know what I'm doing, but I try to approach writing for them differently. Like for Mortality Rate, I follow the drums. And then for World of Pleasure, I try to follow like the guitar pattern more. Um, And I like make an effort to try to, I kind of have like a, mm, what's the word? System, a pattern. I have a formula for Mortality Rate of like where I come in and what parts I don't sing on and stuff like that. and I'm really vocal heavy on it because all the bands that I really love are very vocal heavy. Um, and I try to not repeat stuff too for Mortality Rate. So for World of Pleasure, I'm like, okay, band name in every single song, like re- <laughs> recycle or recycle lines from other songs, like try to repeat things a little bit. And then, yeah, I try to, sometimes I try to go a little vocal heavy on it or like I'll stress out. I'm like, I just, I can't finish this song and we're recording soon. And I'm like panicking and Coulter's like, okay, just don't sing on that part. And I'm like, wait, what? You mean you don't have to sing from start to finish for every song? And he's like, yeah, no, you can just let the riff do its job. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. Okay. Never thought about it that way. So I try to change up like the approach a little bit, but my delivery exact same. I don't, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. There's no technique. That's the only thing I can do. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and that's especially too because that idea of your truest expression. It's like yes, over time you do understand how you can quote unquote scream better. You know, where it's like yeah. okay, I'm not going to blow my voice voice out in like four seconds, but the the notes and like who you are really comes out not only you know because this is like literally your second band but it's just the the consistency is there and i think that's what makes it probably fun for you to be like oh this is how i can make it different because i know i can't make it different in my screaming (laughs) yeah i can't change my voice so i'm gonna do something like that's not the exact same um 
And yeah. yeah, also, you know, the lyrical content also not very serious. Yep. Whereas totally. mortality rate is sad. Yes. For the most part. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. It's very, very focused in the uh, emotional approach, as it were. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll pull the threads on both those bands in a minute, but I want mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, dive into you as a human being, Jess, because that's obviously why we're here. Um, you, I know you were born and raised in Whistler, which is a ski resort town, and that is a weird place to grow up just because, mm-hmm. I mean, it, in the same way that when you speak to people who are born in Hawaii, it's like, what do you mean you were born in Hawaii? Like, you yeah, stay? no one's born there. Yeah. Right. Like you take vacations there. Um, and so I'm sure the transitory nature of that town had to have rubbed off on you in regards to the sort of feast and famine nature of the city uh, from a tourism perspective. Or or am I misrepresenting where it always seemed like there was a tourist element, even if there wasn't skiing? Um, Whistler's a weird town to grow up in. Um, I don't go outside. So... I was always trying to escape it and like my like coping mechanism to being sad has always been like, okay, leave. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why touring became so appealing to me, even though I love living in Calgary. Um, If if, like, I just, I'm my brain isn't wired to feel happy. So whenever I get like extra sad or whatever, like the instinct is always just go somewhere else. So touring became like a really, really good escape for just yeah that instinct of just like oh i don't like it here or i am sad so instead of like dealing with that i'm just going to go somewhere else and pretend that all the things that make me sad don't exist totally yeah that hopefully that sense. answers your question <laughs> well, we'll, we'll 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 be able to dig more into that they the, the yeah. i i guess the the whistler aspect because from what i've only been there once but it definitely feels like a town that uh i mean not only is rooted in tourism but then it it does feel working class i mean i don't want to represent it like that like paint it with too broad of a brush but it definitely seems like there are the uh you know the service industries as it were to facilitate all of the tourism that exists there um Did you feel, I mean, I guess, did you, not like you would have been able to describe that as a child, but like, did you feel that? <laughs> um, yeah, Whistler is either you live there because you want to be there or your parents want to be there. So you're forced to live there, me, right. or yeah. <laughs> you're rich. So if you're one of the first two, you have to work your ass off in order to literally live. Like just like, it's, it's much more than a like paycheck to paycheck lifestyle there. If you aren't rich, if you're living there because that's where you want to be or where you have to be like, um, yeah, it's not a paycheck. It's like a working four jobs all the time to just survive kind of thing. Um, and I moved out when I was 18. So like, I didn't really have to do that part, but I moved out because, um, my mom needed help with rent and I wasn't making enough money to do so. Um, so I was like, okay, let's get a person living with you that can justify paying that much money to live here. And I'll go live somewhere where I actually want to be and like feel good about paying money to be there. Cause I didn't want to be in Whistler. Um, so I didn't want to like, yeah, have to like struggle to survive. And like all the money I had, I would use to pay for gas to go to Vancouver so I could go to shows and go like, shows, hang out right. with people. yeah. <laughs> right. So I could like hang out with people that listen to hardcore and stuff. I had right. friends. I had like three of them, you know, mm-hmm. well, five, but like, 
some had already moved away. They all were active and stuff. And we had all just graduated high school. So some were going, some were going to college, yada, yada. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to just sit around and pay all of my money to be somewhere I don't want to be and not be able to go have fun. But I definitely, both of my parents are very hardworking because it's where they wanted to be. So all I know is like grind. Yeah. Like all I did was watch my parents grind, like working class. Like as far as I know, that's all that exists, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I like the connection that you made there in regards to the idea that, I mean, people that work hard because they want to be located where they're at, like that's what people do a majority of the time. Anybody that lives in New York or San Francisco or anything. Yeah. Like but you, ha- I mean, as a kid, once you start, your world started to open up a little bit, it was like, oh yeah, I don't want to be here. So I'm going to get out of here. And that, yeah. just that idea. Yeah, I was trying to forever. I like I had a bunch of friends on Vancouver Island because did you ever go to Van Alfest? I'm assuming you know what that is. I no, I've heard of it. I was never uh I never okay. went, nor was I uh that familiar with like the lineups and like how that's got all put together in the first place. Um it was it was kind of like a Wild Rose level okay. um up until this year. Um but it was just like really fun and yeah, I had like friends in Vancouver and friends in Victoria that like were in a hardcore and stuff and, and metalcore. Those were the same thing to me. I make that very clear. Those are, I I didn't have a lot of exposure to it. So basically if you had like mosh parts, you were a hardcore band to me. Yeah, um, interchangeable, right? Yes. Yes. Um, but the, the school in Victoria is really awesome. So like I found out they had like a photography program and I was like, Oh my God. And like metalworking and stuff. And I was like, Oh, I want to go learn how to do cool things. We had, we didn't have band program in my high school after I was in grade eight and um, we didn't have any languages aside from French and the art program was every grade in one room. So like, I just, I wanted to leave to a place where I would be happy. And so my excuse was like, Oh, the school there is really good. Like you should let me go to school there and like work and live with a friend. Cause I was already working just so I could afford to have fun. So I was like, you should let me go live with a friend for cheap and, go to a cool school where I'm like happy and stuff. And I'm, I'm happy to like be busy all the time working so I can live that life kind of thing. But uh, I mean, now I understand that I'm like my, I'm my mom's best friend. And she was like, mm, Nope, you're not leaving my house yet. And I was like, okay. Right. So, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, and you're the family structure growing up. I mean, it seems like your mom was the most consistent and I guess closest uh, that you were in your family. Do you have brothers or sisters? What did the structure look like? It's just me. Just you, only child. Yep. I... yep, only child. And um, my parents split up when I was seven. So, and my dad's a helicopter pilot, so he was gone a lot. Um, now he just works in the summers for the most part. But from what I remember, I also don't remember a lot of my childhood. But from what I remember, he worked year round at that point. So he would his contract would be two weeks on, two weeks off. But if there's a forest fire that isn't going away, he can't just leave. So sometimes he'd be gone for like two months at a time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, me and my mom were homies. She's my best friend. So yeah, it was mostly just me and her. And she worked really hard to be able to stay where she wanted to be. And also like, give me a house and stuff, you know? Yeah, give you the stability, uh, especially I mean, I, I, I recognize just observing you from a distance. I, the fact that you say you're an only child, I'm like, oh, I recognize that because I myself am an only child. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, there's yeah. a certain uh, energy that uh, we put out in the world, good or bad. It's just that notion of yeah, the, main character syndrome. For sure. Like absolutely, yep. <laughs> pay, a, absolutely pay attention to me, but then also please leave me alone. Like, yeah. I, yeah. 
look what I did. No, no, now you're looking. Look away. I don't like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, don't look too close or too yeah. long. Just, Just check it out. Yeah. Glance, pay, like, acknowledge it. Move on, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, and you have also struck me as a person that um, talking about all of those, you know, kind of polar opposite feelings that you feel. Was that something like, you know, were you an outgoing kid? Were you more of an introvert? Like, where did you kind of place yourself on that that spectrum as you started to, you know, go into like junior high and high school when you were actually had an identity? So um, I didn't, we didn't realize until a couple, maybe last year or the year before, you realize that I am a little bit on the spectrum. Sure. So um, I was both. I I thought of myself as outgoing. Um, I, but I didn't have friends until I was maybe grade four. So like 10. Okay. Um, I had friends, but like, I would have like a friend and I think it was like a sympathy thing. Like they were just like, she's weird and doesn't have friends. So they would like hang out with me sometimes, but like no one really stuck around. And then I got this like core group of friends when I was like 10 and I'm still friends with all of them. I say that we don't talk for like three years, but then when we do, it's like nothing has got changed, you know? Um, but, and then I got that core group of friends and then I was chilling all the time. Like I could not be alone. And I think now that I understand like kind of how my brain works, I think that like I needed to be kind of overstimulated all the time. Otherwise I'd crash because I did, but I didn't know how to like recharge. Like I didn't know that I could like spend time alone and be okay. And that I was just kind of distracting myself from like being depressed by hanging out with people all the time. Um, I also, I'm sure you heard it in another thing. Um, I'm straight edge for a reason. So I started just partying a lot when I was a teenager. Um, nothing crazy. just really liked drinking. Um, it was a lot of fun for me and it was like, it made my anxiety go away. Um, so I I think I was an introvert. I I am now very much. I don't leave my house unless I have to. Um, and I think that I always have been, but I just didn't know that. And I thought that like the burnout from socializing was just like the feeling of being alone. I didn't realize that I could just spend more time alone and then feel better. So I was just like always chilling with people all the time. And then I went to Europe when I was 21, I think by myself for three weeks. And this was like before Canadian phone plans like worked outside of Canada. So I had no phone. I only had my phone on Wi-Fi and I hung out by myself and like got around all these cities where not many people spoke the same language as me and I was fine and I did it. And then I came home from that and kind of was like, oh, I'm fine by myself. That felt really good. Like I gained a lot of confidence and I feel rested for the first time in my life. And that kind of like switched my perspective so I have the capability to be I'm really good with people I just don't like it so if I need the switch to be on it can be on but I prefer to be by myself right right that and I do think that feeling of what you're talking about especially you know as you're socializing in school and understanding so many different things that are not directly about you, but just seeing how the world operates. And then that idea of turning yourself on and off, that you know, that doesn't become apparent until you're much, much older. And so, yeah, that feeling of what you're talking about, I'm so tired. Like I've put myself out there so much, but then you didn't have any emotional tools or physical tools to be able to recharge yourself because you were, you know, a child essentially. 
Yeah. And like, as far as I knew, that's just how people felt, you know, like I didn't know, I didn't know that you, um, people could like read a page and then tell you what they read. I thought that you had to read a page five times in order to understand it. Like, I didn't know that people didn't have crippling anxiety and pan- panic attacks when they were introduced with a new task around people. Like, I didn't know um, that people don't get brain fog. Like, I didn't know that I had anxiety. I thought that I felt normal. And then like, as I get older, like there's still new things that I find out about myself all the time because I'm talking to someone and they're like, oh yeah, you know, like my doctor told me this or my therapist told me this or like, I'm struggling with this right now. And this is the reason why. And I'm like, oh, I do. Wait, is that not normal? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, something's wrong with me. I do the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, yes. And I'm, oh, okay. Because that also just like wasn't really talked about when we were younger. Like it was just, you know, that's a weird kid. You know, yep. like the the kid that's having a panic attack, they're just weird. They're sensitive or it was never like a, maybe there's something not okay happening. Like maybe something's not connecting right. We should, maybe we should figure this out. It was just like, oh, there's just like over, like that's an only child. She's being over dramatic. Right. We should kind of, we should look under the hood of this rather than just like the painting with the broad brush of just like, oh yeah. yes, they're, they're trying to get attention. You know, it's like, yeah. and not always. my mom. My mom is the greatest person on this planet and loves me so much. So if I was ever a situation, like there was just so many things that justice doesn't do that because she knew it was going to make me anxious yep. or like make me upset. So instead of, cause you know, some people are like, Oh, they just got to cry it out or like, Oh, they've just got to suck it up. My mom never, ever made me suck it up ever. It was like, oh, that makes you uncomfortable. You don't have to do it, which is amazing. But she, also just like she didn't realize that maybe there was something like up yeah you know? she was just right. like oh you're just this is just how you are and that's fine and she did if she made me so safe and so comfortable and she did a very good job um, right right she gave, but she, I, gave you, she gave you the space but then yeah she didn't know what to do beyond that to help you even further so that totally yeah. makes sense yeah. yeah we didn't figure out until later <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah once once all the other things start to happen mm-hmm. um and which we'll talk about in a moment, but I know you have described in a few different locations in regards to your first uh, exposure to music at large in regards to, you know, going to a concert, that sort of stuff was seeing the offspring as your very first show when you were yeah, was qu- seven. quite young. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which is, I mean, you know, that's a, a beautiful experience for someone who doesn't know probably what a lot of the words mean that they're singing. Um, <laughs> you're just reacting off of the visceral nature of what offspring was at that particular time um so and i know that you had mentioned where it's like you know literally passing out as you were um uh, you know going to the show or anything like that um what I, was it mostly just i guess the energy that attracted you to uh music in general or what kind of spoke to you not like you could really dig into your brain <laughs> as seven years old but what spoke to you about that um that level of uh interaction that you saw with that sort of music it must have been the energy. I'm like, I don't even know. I just yeah. heard it and liked it. Like my dad, um, actually recently I was at his, I was visiting, um, he lives out by Kelowna and that's where I record. So after I recorded the vocals for Rosemary, um, I stayed at his house and I was playing it and, um, his, I don't think he like told his new girlfriend that what my music is like. So she was sitting there just kind of like, okay, this is a lot to take in. And I was like, oh, mm, yeah, I probably should have warned you. It's not easy listening. And she kind of looked at my dad and my dad was like, I don't know why she's like this. 
he was like my both my parents really like like Guns and Roses and stuff like that. And he said that ever since I was like in a car seat when I was a little baby, like they'd be listening to softer music and I'd be passed out and then guitar music would come on and I'd like wake up and perk up and like bob my head. Like I just right. connected in my brain and I don't really know why. Listen, I love to be a walking billboard for bands. And why shouldn't you? Band merch is the life's blood. I don't care what size of band you are from your, you know, mom and pop local garage band all the way up to <laughs> bands like Metallica and Pantera. And the reason I mention them is because rockabilia.com is the place where you can buy all of your officially licensed band merch. And they will give you a discount, a 10% discount, if you use this promo code 100 words or less. Please use that. It lets them know that marketing works and you get a discount. Everybody wins in this scenario. Rockabilia ships from the Midwest to you very quick. And like I mentioned, bands like Metallica, Pantera, Pink Floyd, Ramones, Rolling Stones, I don't care what you're into. You're probably going to find something for you, find something for your mom or dad or brother or sister or friends. And we're getting close. Shopping season is upon us for the holidays. So dive into rockabilia.com. Use the promo code 100 words or less, 10% off your entire order, and buy the things that you need to buy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a, a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
And I know that as you started to, you know, grow up and you've affectionately, and I think most people that are, uh, you know, of the era in which, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, when social networks started to exist and the proliferation of music on the internet uh, started to happen, that's where you started to be able to understand what these, you know, genres of music were. And you're getting exposed to like, you know, My Chemical Romance used and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Um and it seems to me, based on your previous descriptions, like you dove into that music hard and you were just trying to consume as much of it as you possibly could. Is that Oh, correct? yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm, st- I'm still there. I'm a scene kid for life. Good. Good to hear. Yes. Yeah. I never thought I was too cool for that shit. I love it so much. Um, but I definitely, I don't know. I also have like multiple jobs and two bands and cats and try to like be good, a good friend to my people. So I, I can't spend like five hours at a time, just like going through music blogs anymore. But I used to spend like the second I got home from school until like two in the morning, I would just sit on my computer and like download stuff on LimeWire. I'd be on, what was the website called? It was, it was like pure volume or pure something or, Pure, pure volume was a thing, yeah. Yeah, okay. I would just sit there and like click on related artists for hours oh, and like yeah. listen to a couple songs. Like that's how I found like uh, See You Next Tuesday and sure. Texas in July and like bands like that. I would just click on related artists, listen to a couple songs. If I liked it, I'd go to LimeWire and I'd download every single thing I could find. Yeah, and there's yeah. there's also la- last last dot FM and that was like it would track you if you plugged it into your you know, Apple iTunes, it was able to track the music that you played and then recommend if you went to the website, it recommended other artists. So I know it was around that same time as pure volume. So that's Mm -hmm. amazing though. Yeah, I would, that's all I cared about. That's all I did. (laughs) And as you were getting into this, you know, arguably weird stuff for your parents to understand, especially, you know, because you were spending most of your time with your mom, was she um, concerned about the sort of music? Because I'm sure you were, you know, expressing yourself maybe uh, visually as well with some interesting haircuts or interesting hair colors. Um, How was she reacting to all that stuff happening? Uh, She let me do whatever I wanted. That's great. (laughs) If she was concerned, I am unaware of it. (laughs) Right. Like she's, I, I can't say enough good things about my mom. She never, the only thing she didn't want me to do was get tattooed before I turned 18. Um, and I did when I was like 17 and a half. I was oh. like, hey, uh, I didn't get ID'd, so I'm going to get tattooed. And she was like, eh, it's six months away. Fuck it. Like, right. You've lasted I, she, this long. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, okay, I, I have, I have come to terms with the fact that this is something I just need to accept about you. Cause before she was like, you, no, no way in hell. And now, Whenever I meet one of her friends that like they've only heard about me, they don't know me yet. She basically tells me to strip naked. She's like, look at all of her art. It's so cool. And she like rants and raves. She got this one in this city and this one's me and this one's her cat. And yeah, she like gets so excited about it. And when before she was just like, no, not allowed. So I think she's always kind of just done her best to accept me for what I am no matter how weird it was or how much she didn't understand it. And she also made a point to be very involved. Like she knew all of my friends, even if she didn't meet them because they lived in Vancouver and they like weren't able to come hang out in Whistler or something like she would pay attention to when I was talking about them. So she had a base understanding of the people that I was with. So then I, I think that made her feel more comfortable that like my kids going out to the city to hang out with strangers, you know, like, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, yeah I don't know. She never seemed she concerned. <laughs> no, it's incredible. Especially too, with the idea, like you said, I think most parents, they'll, they won't understand the music, especially when they bring stuff home that is not in context for anything that they are aware of. But then once you go take the additional step of, like you said, going to hang out with strangers at shows and just be like, huh? Like, okay. But I mean, it's great that your mom gave you that much, uh, you know, latitude to be able to explore obviously what you ended up becoming obsessed with. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great now. Also like she, you know, she the music was never for her. She never really enjoyed it being on in the car. I would just have my headphones in. I think maybe I'm, she might be listening to this going, no, you blasted that shit. I hated it. But, um, she, yeah, she was very tolerant of it. But now like with my bands, she makes every single person she meets listen to them. It's beautiful. She's so cute. (laughs) She is so amazing. I love her so much. Yeah. She punishes every person that she meets being like, this is my daughter's band. And they're like, what the fuck is this? And she's like, she's the best. She has pictures of her playing in Europe. She's so cute. (laughs) Totally. That's great. Biggest fan in the corner. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. And as you were going into, you know, high school and all of this, this music stuff was happening around you. Did you care about school? I mean, I know like you were talking about prior to this in regards to, you know, your drinking and sampling that side of life. Uh, were you able to keep up with grades or was that never something you were interested in? Um, I've got crazy ADHD. So uh, things I liked, I did great in and things that I didn't understand. I didn't care at all. Um, I didn't graduate high school, but um, it was a, I'm a very petty and stubborn person. And it was, uh, I was sticking it to someone who, the vice principal who said something that made me mad. I decided I'm not going to graduate to spite you guys. So I have one outstanding class from high school that I didn't do. Um, (laughs) That's that's um, incredible. I I like how you're like, you know what, I am going to uh, damage myself, but at the same time, I'm proving a point to you. So I went. Yeah, they, uh, they were concerned about my, they just noticed that I wasn't doing this one class because I I had to be self-taught and I can't do that Uh because my brain doesn't work that way. Sure. Um, so I just didn't care. I wasn't doing it. And then it was like the last semester of grade 12 and the vice principal was like, Hey, so we realized that you're not doing this. And I was like, yep. And she was like, really worried about you and I was like oh I'm fine I just can't teach myself how to do something so I'm not going to but I also failed the other it's a science credit so I was like I started failing the one science credit and the other science credit has a chapter about arachnids in it and I'm arachnophobic and I asked if I could skip that chapter and do something else and the teacher said no so I'm not doing it um and she was like okay like tried to kind of like give me like a, well, it's kind of just for your own good. And then she was like, but also when people don't graduate, we get less money. And I was like, you're concerned about the money, not me. Fuck you. I'm not graduating. So I finished the rest of my courses, but not that one. (laughs) Nice. I like, I, I like the, um, the, the stubbornness of that, because again, it's proving a point. You're just like, well, yeah, you're doing this. I'm going to do this to spite you. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm brutal. I, I know it's not a good character trait, but I also don't care to fix it. Um, Got it. I loved uh, literature, like English and then like English lit and stuff like that. And I finished all my all the extracurricular English courses you could take in everything for grade 12, too. I finished it all by the first half of grade 11. Like I just did them all. Um, 
And I think I was like a B student for other subjects. Um, but I failed a math class and it was again, a stubborn thing. I was like, was in England with my dad during the chapter where they teach you how to graph like mm-hmm. sine and cosine and all that crap. Um, but I was good at math. Like up until then I was very good at it. So when I came home, the teacher just gave me like finished notes. She would like walk you through the steps on a board on a projector. So you'd watch her do it. But the end of the notes is just a finished sheet with no steps on it. And she just gave me that being like, here, you're good at math. You can figure it out. And I was like, no, I need you to teach it to me. Like, can I do, can we do like an after school tutor session? So you can, you just need to explain it to me and I'll get it. And she was like, no, you can just do it. So I was like, okay, you won't teach me. You can't teach me then. And I would just have my headphones in and read my books during her class. And I failed on purpose. Um, And then I did dumb people math. um, And our dumb people math teacher was a disaster. She should not have been teaching students. Um, I learned how to change a tire in that class. Oh, per- so yeah, you were doing some real practical applications of math. Oh, yeah, she taught us a lot of life skills, not a whole lot about like, you're supposed to, I think, learn how to do your taxes in that class. I don't think we learned that. I learned how to change a tire, though. Um, That's good. That's good. It was well, really we, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at least you learned something out of that. Yeah. <laughs> so was there any uh, life plan, so to speak, in regards to uh career like stuff you wanted to do whether or not you knew you could like make money off of it was there a, a vision of yours to be like that would be cool if i did this or was it all just kind of shooting from your hip uh no it's all just been kind of like figure it out that's why i didn't really care about graduating because i had no interest in paying thousands and thousands of dollars to go to college for something i know i'm not gonna use like mm-hmm. i didn't feel the need to waste my time and money on a degree that I'm probably not going to use. And I also didn't have any ideas of what I wanted. Like there was no like, hmm, this might seem interesting. Maybe I'll try to, the only thing I wanted to do was study English more and writing more, but like just to learn about it, I wasn't like, I want to be a writer. So yeah, I was like, well, I'm not going to pay again, like tens of thousands of dollars to just have knowledge about books (laughs) that I can't apply to anything. So yeah, I just served. Um, I was working at a sushi restaurant back home and then I moved out here and I worked at Cheesecake Cafe for a year because it was just the first place that hired me that was by my apartment at the time. Um, And then I got in at this place called Diner Deluxe here. That's like one of the breakfast spots and I was there for eight years. Nice. That's cool. And with the, like you mentioned previously, the the drinking aspect, I mean, a lot of that does come into play in regards to, I'm not going to typify everybody's experience, but just the, you know, a more small town, like the Whistler, mm. just yeah. like that, that sheer boredom where it's like, what are kids supposed to do? It's like, oh yeah, just obviously drink. And um, I, I'm sure, like you said, some of it was, it made your brain feel better and calm down. Um, and then- once it got, you know, more overwhelming where it started to, you know, be detrimental to you. Mm-hmm. Um, how, so how were you kind of navigating that? Was it basically you started because of pure boredom and then, you know, ended up just being like, oh, this is a, a good social lubricant. I think it was just like, that's what everyone did. Sure. And like, yeah, as like, as you know, like small town, like anyone, especially from Canada, because like small towns in the States, different than small towns here unless you live in like Wyoming or something but like there's nothing here 
um, especially by Whistler. And I don't like going outside. I'm not active. Like other, there were a lot of people in Whistler that like would come to parties and stuff, but they also like went skiing and stuff like that. I had no interest in anything aside from reading books and you can only read so much in a day. Um, and then yeah, it helped with like my social anxiety that I didn't realize I had. Um, but it was just like what you did. I don't know. I also, all my friends were older than me. Um, so there was one friend that like her parents <clears throat> let the, all the kids were teenagers, let them all just drink at home. Cause then they knew what they were doing. Oh, and I yes. think I was just like over for dinner and we were playing video games and my friend was like, do you want one? Cause it was just like normal to her. And I was just like, Oh sure. And then had the best time ever had so much fun. And I was like, this rocks. Right. I want to do this more. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. And, uh, you were, like you mentioned, there wasn't shows happening in Whistler. So you had to travel farther distances and take public transit and go do all of that. Once you started to experience more of the, you know, independent minded shows, what did you feel, I guess, a sense of community? Did you feel welcome or was it just the simple act of going to a show and seeing these bands that you had only heard of on the internet? That was Um, exciting. It was really exciting to like make friends that were really interested in the same stuff as me. Like my best friend from high school, um, she was into like, she also liked the used and like panic at the disco and like that vibe. Um, and so she'd come to some shows with me, but she didn't really like the like heavier bands. So I didn't really have anyone back home that would like, they would come with me just because it was all fun. We're going to Vancouver. Like that's exciting. Um, but it was kind of nice to have like my own little group of friends that liked the same stuff as me and could show me new stuff. Um, and I would like make new friends every time I went there. And then Whistler was hard for me to make friends because you know everyone. Like I knew every single person that went to my school and their siblings' names and where their parents worked. Like there was not really a lot of room to make new friends unless it was like a new person that moved to town. Um, and normally a new person that's moving to Whistler is like a rich person who either is a pro athlete or their parents just like retired and wanted to move to Whistler. So their kid lives there. Um, so most of the time they weren't really a person that I vibed with very well. Sure. Um, so it's just kind of nice to have like a group of friends that had more in common with me based on interests. Right. right. Yeah. And that's what kind of drew me to like, local shows you know sure right it's like there's there's more people that are into this like i I think it's so not only as a kid when you feel like you can make your own choices and go see the bands you want to see but then you see that other people have made that choice and you're like oh so there's more out there like you kind of sort of know but it's not until you see them like you said in real life and you know your local scene it's like oh this is a thing Yeah. And yeah, I think now that I'm thinking about it more, I think it was that like I could make a new friend every time and I had a hard time making friends for most of my life up until that point. Because if we're talking, I was like 13 when I started going to Vancouver all the time. And up until I was 10, I didn't really have regular friends. So I was just like, oh, this is so cool. Like people like me. They don't think I'm a fucking weirdo. Right. Right. Totally. Like, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, there's, there's all these positive things that I'm getting out of it in regards to not only enjoying the music and bands and feeling that energy, but then meeting new people that, like you said, you have a common language. Yes. Yeah. And 
when do you, uh, I mean, I know that you, you moved to Calgary when you were about 19 or so and, um, mm-hmm. correct in that yep. time frame. Yep. Um, at that point you were, um, I presume just trying to get out of Dodge, so to speak, and be like, all right, I, I got to, you know, figure out some other place to live because I do not want to be here in Whistler. Vancouver may be a little too expensive. You can get more money out of whatever in Calgary. Um, had you ever visited Calgary before or was it just kind of like a, all right, well, that's the next closest biggest city. No. Yeah. I had, um, that year, actually, I moved to Calgary 11 years ago today. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Um, it's my Calgary-versary. Um, I had, so that's 2011. So May, 2011, I actually came out here for a whole month just to hang out. Um, and I had come out here a couple times earlier that year for shows. This is hilarious, but life ruiner played here. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a, that's, that's a deep cut, but one of and, a, a certain era. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I drove here for it. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, with one of my best friends, we drove out for it. Um, and I had, how did I even meet people from out here? The internet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I My came out messages. here. Mm, yeah, I assume so. Sure. The year before, like fall time, the year before I came out here to see a day to remember and enter Shikari with some of my friends from think of Island because enter Shikari was one of their favorite bands. And I was just down to do anything. I want right. to go have fun all the time. So she was like, I want to drive to Calgary to see. And I was like, yes, let's go. I don't care. That sounds fun as hell. Um, so we like convoyed out here. And I think I met a couple people cause I was moshing. So people were like, Whoa, girl, that's moshing. But, um, so a couple other girls were like, Oh, who are you? I don't know you. And I made friends with some people out here. I think that's how I kind of met people here. And then I like came out two or three more times for shows or, and then like some bands from here played in Vancouver. Um, and I like was there just cause I knew that they were coming out and yeah, I just kind of like made enough friends. And then when, did I talk about the things that happened before I moved here on another podcast? In, uh, well, I mean, you, the only thing that I uh, remember you speaking about was the, you know, living, living in your car <laughs> and kind of yes. just, uh, yeah, like move, yes. be, be couch surfing and being very transitory in where you were living. Yes. So that happened and I was living in my car and all my friends in Vancouver um, were unable to help, which I totally understand. Um, and my friends here were like, we have space, just come here. Um, and I kind of had to figure it out quick because living in a Honda, not the most ideal, even though I had my job at the time was riding for me super hard. They were awesome. They took very good care of me. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, well, I got to figure this out. And I don't want to be living with five people in a two bedroom apartment and working a bajillion jobs in Vancouver. All my friends in Calgary have space and are like, just come here. We will take care of you. Like that's right. very much the vibe here, no matter what, but we're always down to help anyone out with anything. Um, so I just saved up for a couple months and then came out here and moved in with my friend who like got an apartment just so I would have my own space. Evilgreed.net continues to bring the heat. That is a website that you can visit where they are a fine purveyor of web stores from very specific bands and record labels. They honestly act like a record label in the fact that they have a very specific lens of the type of bands that they work with 
and then we'll provide you, the consumer, a place to purchase that. It makes it very, very easy. Just to give you a little sampling of some of the bands that I'm talking about, they have stores from Power Trip, Sergeant House Records, Russian Circles, Emma Ruth Rundle, some Gulch merch. They have it all. And when I say all, if you are into any of those bands, you will be able to find even more things that you probably should get into. I'm going to be completely straight up and tell you that I found out about one of my new favorite brands, Brutus, through their website. But most importantly, use this promo code 100 words. That gets you 10% off your entire order. They're based in Berlin, Germany, but they ship to the United States and it comes very, very fast. That is the reason why they are advertising on this very podcast, because they want to increase their US sales and partnerships from that perspective. So visit evilgreed.net, buy some merch. You won't regret it. And it'll show up at your doorstep and you'll be like, hey, this is cool. I want to buy more. And then the cycle repeats on and on and on. You get it. Evilgreed.net, promo code 100 words. Thank you very much. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home i think that really does not only embody the you know spirit of punk hardcore as cliched as that sounds but it is so interesting when you try to describe to other people these really unique experiences of people like yes of course there's different communities whether it's you know church whether it's like you know a bingo group or whatever but when you when you're talking about oh yeah like i just stay at these strangers houses as i travel across the world and people are like what the hell are you talking about like i know that's a little bit more common now with airbnb or whatever but yeah but even then that's scary i feel safer staying with a stranger that like is like a friend of a friend of a friend that goes to hardcore shows i'd rather stay with them than at some airbnb Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and it it is so, uh, it it sounds insane when you describe it to a person who has no context for this and just be like, what? And then it's like, wait, what do you mean? A friend got an apartment just so you could like crash? Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. It's like, no one, yeah, who does that for people? Like, (laughs) totally. Yeah. 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 Um, I can, I can, you know, let you in for a shower occasionally, but there's no way that I'm. (laughs) I'm going to let you just, move in here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he, he took, yeah, he made sure I was set up. It was really cool. I've actually, when I worked at um, the diner that I was talking about earlier, yep. um, 
all of the girls, you had to be like a special kind of crazy to survive there. It was really a really fast paced work environment. Um, but yeah, so all the girls that were there, kind of like not like total civilian, but like very normie. Yep. Um, but like kind of weird. So there was two girls that went on vacation to Portland together and they told me that they were going like, I don't know. We don't, we don't have any plans. We're just going to road trip and like maybe sleep in the car. Maybe we'll get, and I was like, okay, you're stressing me out. You are too young and you haven't done this before. And I don't feel comfortable with this. So you're staying with my friends. And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, who are they? And I was like, three guys. I was like, you're going to go stay at these with these guys. And they were like, really nervous about it and I was like I promise you nothing's gonna ha- I know why you're nervous but like it's gonna be fine and yeah they came back just being like they're the nicest people ever oh my god like one of them slept on the couch so we could use his room they like took us out for coffee every morning they gave us like a like an activity list every day like they like hooked them up so hard and they were just like I can't believe people like this exist and I was like oh honey People like this exist everywhere. It's just in hardcore though. <laughs> like totally right. Yeah. This welcome to this secret society. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. oh, you're a stranger, but you know my friend. I oh, got you're good. You. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're, co- you're co-signed. You're fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when you uh I know like you mentioned you earlier, you were, you know, straight edge by choice because you ran into a wall where you realized that uh, you know, drinking was not going to uh solve your problems and uh make you feel better for a prolonged period of time. Mm-hmm. Um did you I guess kind of reach a bottom, so to speak, where it was like, Okay, I'm cold turking this, straight edge is meaningful to me now. I mean, it was meaningful maybe just as far as a co- a concept was concerned, but mm-hmm. did you reach that kind of bottom spot where you're like, I gotta, I gotta flip the switch. Um, I think I just had decided that, um, I didn't want to feel hungover anymore. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stop like getting drunk. I'm just going to like enjoy beverages. So I would have like a glass of wine with dinner or like if I, I would go out and have like a drink or two with friends and then I'd wake up the next day crying, like so insanely depressed and after it happened like five or six times in a row, I was like, oh, this is only happening after I have a drink the night before. And before I would just be so violently sick that I didn't realize that I was also sad and that like this was like causing it kind of like, because right. yeah, as I said, my brain isn't wired to be happy all the time. So like it was just making that part of my brain worse but I was always just like violently hung over. So I never really realized that it was also making that part worse. Um, right. So I was like, okay, well, like now this, now I can't even, now this sucks even more. Like I'm not hung over, but I'm just crazy sad. So I have to kind of, if I was like, oh yeah, like let's split a bottle of wine with dinner. Now I have to be like, mm, is it worth it for me to cry all day tomorrow and like not be able to get out of bed? No. So I was like, that's not, there's no, no point at all anymore. So I just decided to stop drinking and then. I think after like five months, I was like, yep, this is better for me. I'm going to make myself stick to this. So I'm straight edge now. Right, right. I love that. And the the thing I find interesting specifically about Calgary is that the geographically it's isolated. You know, there are so many places that can exist, you know, can incubate a scene, but then there has to be some pulling in from, you know, different towns or what have you. But Calgary has always been this interesting hardcore scene. And it's seemed especially vibrant over the past five to 10 years, you know, due in part to a lot of the bands that are existing, obviously Wild Rose existing as a hardcore festival. Mm-hmm. How, um, 
and like you said, it was very welcoming when you first moved there. Do you feel uh, that that is in part to the fact that you're like, well, we can't rely on anybody else or any, you know, larger cities to kind of, you know, incubate that. Uh, Do you think that that's where it comes from? Or is it just kind of a combination of a bunch of different things that you've noticed? I think it is very, like 90% of it is just the vibe that's here. Um, I've actually been talking about this a lot the last two weeks since the fest, because we had um, a bunch of Louisville bands here and, some of the guys had been here before and some had never been here. Um, so some of them knew what it was going to be like. And I like it. I know that they're already our friends and like they get it and stuff. But the new people were are, like they keep at least every couple of days I get like I still can't get over how much like fun it was just even hanging out. And that's always kind of been like what brings bands back. Like we we all go off and like we i'll get to the why we've got good bands in a second but like take your time (laughs) the the shows we always try to also like ride for bands so like before when more tours were coming through here a couple years ago if there was a tour that was like edmonton calgary and lethbridge so for just i know no one's gonna know how far that is edmonton is three hours north and lethbridge is two hours south um so if there was a tour that was coming through that hit all of those cities like three carloads of us from calgary would go to every single show and go off every single night because we want to make sure that people have fun when they play out here and want to come back. Cause we know that the drive is abysmal. Like it's just atrocious. And we appreciate so much that people take that time to come here. And even though like as much of us come out as possible and like go off and stuff, it still might not be the biggest amount of money that you're getting um, off of a door deal that you would get in like Seattle or uh, like other like bigger cities in the States, just because like, we don't have as many kids in general that like know what hardcore even is, but like every single one is there. So um, yeah, we've always made a point to like buy lots of merch, go to every single show, like, and hook it up. Like bands, they come stay with us. My house is your house. Like uh, when I worked at the diner, if the show was on a Saturday, everyone would come in for breakfast on the Sunday and I would just sneak like 20 people in through the back door and piss off everyone that was waiting for three hours for their scrambled eggs and bacon. They would just watch this huge line of like stinky dudes come in the back and take up my whole section. But yeah, we just like make a really big effort to make sure people feel welcome because they are and make them feel appreciated because they are. And no one here is like too cool um, for you kind of thing. Like if you come play here, we're going to show up and you're going to, it feels like home kind of thing. So, and then, you know, so Caleb, uh, that's an inclination, for example, like he used to be here all the time. And then he would go tell his friends, like, you have to add Calgary to your, to your roots. Like Calgary has to be added. Don't just go to Vancouver. Like we had him and a couple other people that just were so loud about like, make sure you add Calgary to your rooting because it's the best. Um, and then other tours would come here just because it was like shoved down their throat so much. And then they'd have a good time and then they'd want to come back and then they'd tell their friends and et cetera. So I think that's a huge reason why people want to come play here is even just to like hang out um and experience it right yeah and everyone thinks that they're seen as the best so i always am concerned that that's what i'm doing but i've heard i've heard it echoed back to me by a couple a lot of people in the last two weeks being like it's you guys have something special like i hope you know that and i'm like no i know i'm just happy you also feel it because i'm not making it up in my head you know yeah well i I think that the advantage that you were speaking about 
or the advantage slash disadvantage of the geographical location, like it takes effort. Like I, I think the the fact that not only are you you know building a space in a community for bands to be stoked to come there, but just the fact that it takes that effort makes it more you know appealing, welcoming uh, because you know I mean you've played in a bunch of big cities where it's like oh yeah the show's cool but like it feels different when you're you know playing a, a suburb <laughs> of this yeah kids just are are craving that uh you know interaction with bands yeah yeah that's my favorite is when you are in a place that you're like this isn't gonna be good why how is this show happening here and then people come up and know every single word and you're like wait what totally totally like, yeah no how? I love that. yeah yeah um it's beautiful I think we also work really hard to have good bands because no one's yeah. going to notice us just because we're from Calgary. Totally. You know, sure. so everyone that is in a band here works really, really hard and like works really hard in just like making sure they're really good at playing their instruments. And like, yeah, they put in a lot of effort for that because also like the vibe can be good, but if every single, like it kind of is, not great when you go play somewhere and you watch four bands in a row that you're like oh, okay come on this sucks like right just, just put in a little practice time that's all we have yeah like i'm yeah. happy for you and i'm proud of you for doing it but like i uh, this could be better so but then you know if you go to a go somewhere like i when we played in the uk i hadn't heard of cauldron before and they started playing and i was like why is this band playing before us this is the craziest thing i've ever heard in my life like right. i couldn't believe it so when people come play here and like, not only does like the vibe feel good, but also they're like, Oh, I haven't heard of this band before. And that was really good. It's like, it makes them kind of be like, go play there. They also have cool, cool bands. Like they're good there. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. totally. Totally. And did you, I mean, I know mortality rate is like literally your first band and the, yes. you know, the first uh, activity you had in regards to touring and all of that aspect, had you, wanted to play in a band i mean i know that that idea maybe was like oh that would be cool but i can't play any instruments you know that would make sense in a band <laughs> like you know i can get yeah up there and play yeah piano i can or whatever. yeah i yeah. can play the piano and the saxophone but uh, i don't want to be in a ska band so, <laughs> yeah, so totally my yeah. choices are limited um so yeah i guess had you wanted to be in a band or was that just kind of like by default because you had friends and then they eventually pulled you into that um yeah i think i did I didn't like Murtaudry's first practice was the first time that I tried screaming and like I was never like I'm gonna sit in my car and practice like I never right. you know I was like I'm we're gonna see what happens like yes like everyone just believed in me which made me kind of be like okay well, I gotta try um but I had toured a couple times before that just doing merch with friends just because I was down to chill and I had a serving job so I could kind of go do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted so I knew that I liked touring and I knew that I wanted to like be involved in music in some capacity like even if it was just being a road dog like doing merch and chilling and like helping book shows or something um and i had mentioned a couple times like wanting to be in a band to cody um and then yeah one day we were just driving and he was like hey uh let's start a band and i was like yeah okay and then we did perfect yeah it was that yeah. <laughs> Just especially too, where I think the idea, if a person doesn't have a, you know, obvious music, musical talent where it's like, oh, I play guitar or I play bass. And then it's just like, well, you can probably try screaming because like you're kind of like loud and boisterous. Like try, <laughs> yeah. try, try that out. 
Yeah, they, everyone knows I have the loudest laugh on the planet. So he's like, I know you've got volume in you. Let's try that out. And I was just like, yeah, that sounds fun. Okay. Right, right. And like you said, you had, you had toured before doing merch and stuff like that. Had you, did you enjoy touring like from the get go? Uh, does it wear on you at all? Like what's your, your thought process in regards to touring now that you've done it a little bit more? I love touring as a road dog. If I'm chilling and doing merch and like going to get you guys food and like driving and just like no responsibilities, hey, I'm along for the ride and helping any way I can. Endless time. Love it so much. Um, Playing. I love it and hate it. Sure. (laughs) Um, Because then I'm like a freak about sleeping. Like I don't want to. I want to see my friends. I'm so happy they want to hang out with me. But like, fuck off. I'm going to bed. Like. The second we're done, the show's done, we're packing up, we're going to the sleep spot, or I'm getting in the back, taking like 10 melatonin, putting an eye mask on, putting earplugs in, don't fucking talk to me till eight in the morning, like, because I blow my voice very fast. Um, And don't want, yeah, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to hurt myself. Like if I'm rested and hydrated, I'm not going to blow my voice out, but God, it's the one night of bad sleep and I just wake up and can't talk anymore. Um, Right, you're done. Yeah, so I'm kind of like, and I'm a control freak. Um, so I'm like checking stuff constantly. Like, okay, I have to decide what time everyone, I have to like, and because I'm a control freak, like I wake everyone up. Like, I don't trust you guys to get up on time. I'm waking everyone up. We've got to leave by this time. Like I'm making a schedule for every single day. Um, and I get really st- stressed and just like, con- yeah, controlly about it. Um, well, it sounds like you're the band which parent. Just like, Yes, yes. Um, which <laughs> just makes me like tired too. Like it just adds, and I know that's just like a me problem. Um, but that also makes me tired. Whereas if it's not my band and I'm just there to hang out, I don't care. I don't care for late. Totally. You know, like mm, I'll just make sure you get paid and I'll sell your merch and that's it. That's everything else. I don't care. I don't sure. care where we sleep. I'll sleep in the van. Like whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's situational. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. That makes sense. And the idea of singing, you know, performing, yelling in front of people, and I know that that is a, a learned process. And you, your first couple of shows, I'm sure you were, um, you know, pretty um, maybe terrible at it. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so, when did you, I, I guess, feel more comfortable doing that and sort of exhibiting yourself like that? Because now, since you've done it for a, a little bit, that I'm sure you're you know, better than you once were. Uh, what what kind of got you over the hump or was it just this simple repetition of it? Just repetition. Um, okay. I don't think I faced the crowd for two years. Very, I faced code. I would face the drum. <laughs> Very compelling live show from a hardcore band. Uh-huh. I'd be <laughs> losing, I'd be rocking out. I'd be okay, like good. going crazy. I just wouldn't look at the front of the stage. Sure. No eye, con- no eye contact me. with people. Nope. Yep, I don't want to know who's there. Don't look at me. <laughs> sure. I'm just at band practice right now. That's what I would do. I will just stare at Cody and just be like, I'm at band practice. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, that that notion, too, that I'm sure you experienced once you started to, uh, like you mentioned, going over the UK and you know playing shows uh, outside of your home area, when people started to you know sing along and go off, like, did it... Um, you know, how, how did that make you feel? Was it just, I mean, obviously there's that 
rush of like, wow, people are getting what we're doing. And like, this is really interesting and exciting. Um, was there any, I guess, uncomfortability in regards to attention being paid to you? Because I know that, I mean, especially a vocalist of a band, there are people that all of a sudden, you know, kind of want things from you, where it's like, I would like to talk about your lyrics. I would like to, you know, interact with you. And sometimes maybe that is a little much. So I realize there's like 15 questions in there, but. <laughs> That's okay. I'll try my, I'll try my best to do all of it. Yeah. Um, so Mortal is not a sing-along band, really. Um, and and Europe was the first time that I had like a lot of people singing back at me. Like there, there were like parts that people knew basically just like mosh calls um, that people knew locally. So like there was like, yeah, but it would be like one or two people like singing along. People would like mosh for us and stuff, but yeah, we never really had people singing along. And then we went over to Europe and it was within six months, possibly I could be wrong of us putting out, you were the gasoline. So like it was still fairly new. And I think, the only song that people really knew here was Roses, um, which is about Evan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people were singing along to that, like at the fest and stuff. But at local, like people would sing along at the fest, but at local shows, we didn't really get much of it. But I've, that's just how it was. So I didn't really mind. Um, and then we were in Europe and I had like, we were in some small town in Germany, like a village in Germany. And there was like 15 people that knew every single word to every single song and were like losing it over roses at me. And I like started crying and I looked at Cody and he's like, like trying to wipe his eye and drum at the same time behind me. Cause he just looked up and saw this people like climbing on each other to sing that song specifically. And yeah, I was just like, this is surreal right now because that's never really been like the kind of band that we are. Sure. Um, so that was like, yeah, I don't know that, that made me feel, especially cause it was like that, that release and that song, like, Sometimes it's if I'm having a bad mental day or whatever, and I'm singing a song that's about dark things. I see someone singing it back at me. I'm like, this is for me, not you. Like, totally. No, go away. <laughs> you know, like, right. Um, but yeah, just like people like being excited about a song about Evan. I was like, ah, this is crazy. Um, and what was the second part of that? Uh, I was just um, saying oh, the- people paying attention to me. Yeah, exactly. I don't like it. Okay. Yep. Um, I, uh, it depends on my mood but yeah sometimes people like will message us just being like hey like this got me your music helps me or whatever i'm like oh no are you okay that's bad (laughs) if you're relating to these songs i'm i'm worried for you like are you good um and yeah sometimes people yeah kind of want me i i like people don't know my real name I'm very private on the internet. Uh, so sometimes if there are people that kind of expect me to be like available and like they ask me things and I'm like, Mm-mm, that's, that's not for you to know. But I yeah. just tell them, I'm not telling you that you're a stranger. And they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like they kind of get it immediately. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't really like people paying attention to me, which is funny because I get on a stage and scream at the top of my lungs, but Right, right. Well, there, <laughs> yeah, there's that, there's, there's the personal, you know, boundaries that you can create for yourself. And then there's also that on the, I guess, on the outside of those boundaries is the art that you put out there. Because once you put it out there, like, it's not yours anymore. And then there's that, you know, kind of balance that you try to strike where it's like, I'm going to express myself, but <laughs> how how much do I let out, you know? And yeah. Then, you only like, know after you put it out there. Yeah, like I know what these songs are about, and <laughs> right. But like, 
and if you can read between the lines and you can like get what I'm saying, like good for you. And if people ask me, is this about this? I'll be like, yep. Or no, that's not at all, you know, but yeah, people like ask me to explain something to them. I'm like, "Mm, no, that's okay. I already, you know, enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've been there, done that. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The the last thing I want to hit on was the idea that, I mean, both uh, hardcore is at a, such an interesting spot, not only now, but, you know, over the past, whatever we could say five to 10 years that there is more attention that is paid to this genre as a whole than, you know, what it was that many years ago. And the notion of, you know, bands becoming, you know, touring entities and business aspects and managers and booking agents and all that stuff. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. something that bands have had to obviously wrestle with since the early two thousands. How, you know, how does it sit with you guys where uh, not only mortality rate, but, you know, world of pleasure, like, I just find it so interesting because it's obviously just, you know, you and one other person, like you're not even a real Mm -hmm. band, quote unquote, but like, Yep. But but then the fact that I'm sure people are hitting you up being like, hey, do you guys uh you guys want a manager? And like, you know, how do you I guess kind of treat all of the sort of business side of things with uh both bands? Or is, do you just kind of keep that at a distance and just say yes to the things you want to say yes to? Um Yeah, we're <laughs> we're actually talking about this on Twitter today. Uh me and Colter are atrocious with the business side of World of Pleasure, but um the whole point of that band is to have fun. Also, we have a full band now. That's but, good. Now you're a real but, band. That's, I'm just yes, kidding. <laughs> we're, we're, we're a full band now, but it's still like our, like we, they just got to show up and play. They right. don't have any responsibility. There's no pressure on them. They don't have to, like, obviously if it's something that, um, like is going to be like a published thing or like if it's, I'll, I'll make sure everyone's available or comfortable with it or whatever. Um, but yeah, they just, they just got to rock. That's it. It's like our, our brain baby. Um, and the whole point of that band is to have fun. So, um, yeah, today <laughs> I didn't know that, um, Coulter had talked to someone about doing an interview for something. I don't know. I just saw an email and I was like, what the hell is this? And opened it. And it had like, that said like press package in it and had the word deadline in it and interview in it. And I was like, Oh God, this is terrible. What the fuck? And just like texted him. And I was like, what is this? Like, this is the most anxiety inducing thing I've ever seen. And he's like, Oh, don't worry. I've got it handled. All I need is for you to send this one picture. And I was like, ah, like panicking. And then, yeah, we were talking about it on Twitter today, like how hilariously bad we are because we both just like see that stuff and get overwhelmed to go, mm, never mind. Yeah, no, not, I don't want to do that anymore. Never mind. <laughs> no, that's too much. That's too much. I don't like it. Um, but yeah, the whole point of it, it's just for fun. And we're not like, it's, we didn't even know if we were ever going to play a show when we released it. We just like wrote music for fun for ourselves and then, you know, spent money and time on it. So we're just put it on the internet and people liked it. Um, yeah. For mortality rates, um, try to be better about like, being more professional about it but we tried to branch out into like little things here and there with help getting kind of like external help and I just didn't like it I'm a control freak it's better if I just do it mm-hmm. or if like we just do it I'm like hey so I can't handle this thing can you guys handle this thing for me um I prefer it that way and yeah I'm especially being being a girl in a band um 
sometimes there's like certain audiences that I'm not trying to be available to. Right. right. That, you know? Well, and that is a very, I mean, that's a, a thoughtful response, but it, it does when you, I mean, there, I, I, I think I look, you understand what I was saying. No, I, no, I, I do. And it's just, I mean, that like shakes a, you know, a, a thought loose in regards to, cause I mean, you know, Nirvana was at the epicenter of this where it's like, you know, they became the largest band in the world when mm-hmm. that was clear. I mean, they wanted to be big, but not as big as they became. And then, you know, just the idea that you can't control the people that get into your art But the thing to your point of what you can control is like where you put yourself and like the opportunities that you take. And so there can be a little bit of a mitigation with that. And so I see what you're saying where it's like, oh, yes, we're not going to say yes to this, even though theoretically it could make us, you know, bigger. We're playing in front of more people or whatever. But like, I don't necessarily know if those are the people. And that sounds pretty snobbish and elitist, but that's I I know that's not what you were saying. No, it's dudes that say inappropriate things that's the crowd that i'm trying to not be in <laughs> yeah. front of yeah, that's fair. the specific for anyone who yeah is listening to this and wants to make a comment about that it's just gross dudes that i'm trying to not be in front of um so yeah i just it's better for us to just like do stuff that sounds fun and i don't like none of us kind of are in a position or have a desire to be like a full th- we want to tour but not like 10 months of the year yeah you know like the, that like we're down to grind but let's we also want to like have a job um so then it's kind of better to make sure that it's always something that's like fun and exciting and feels good for everyone um and yeah our european tour was like every show was like a cool like little diy show that was like done by like straight up hardcore kids and it was awesome no one, the only person that I had a problem with was someone who worked at one of the bars. Um, wasn't someone that was attending and we had the best time ever. And like, I'd rather do that over and over and over again than do a tour that has an audience that like, doesn't really line up or care about like the quote unquote political because respecting people shouldn't be a political thing, but like the political side of things. Um, and like feeling uncomfortable for just existing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So I kind of just, yeah, I'd rather we try to be more professional, but I'm not trying to have like a manager or anything. Cause I'm very controlling. It would be me bossing that. It would like, we're, I would just be bossing them around. <laughs> like you're, you're not allowed to make any decisions for us. I am making them all kind of thing. So there's no point. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I appreciate the uh, description of that. Yeah. Well, Jess, thank you so much for letting me uh, ping pong around your brain. And uh, I, I appreciate uh, you doing this. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. I hope that I actually answered any of your questions instead of rambling for no reason. Fun times indeed. I genuinely appreciate Jess coming on the show because uh, she didn't need to. <laughs> she could have just said no. And I know everybody has the opportunity to do that. But um, yeah, I just I always appreciate people that are willing to spend time with me and then in turn you as a listener. So shout out to Jess. Please check out her bands. I will link them in the show notes as I usually do. So check them out there. Next week, I have a real head. 
and his name is Jonah Bayer. And what makes him a real head, not only is he played in a bunch of cool bands, but he plays in United Nations with Jeff Rigley. He does a cool podcast called How Did We Get Weird with his sister, uh, Vanessa Bayer. And, but he just, he's an old Cleveland head, has paid attention to music for quite some time within the punk and hardcore world. Covered it for many, many years working at Alternative Press. He also worked at uh, Fuse for uh, Stephen's Untitled Rock Show, which was a very seminal program in the early 2000s. Uh, maybe even mid-2000s, but uh, yeah, Jonah's just a good dude, and the opportunity came up to speak to him, so I jumped at it. That's what we got next week, and until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.